it is amazing to me in Matthew chapter 3 the juxtaposition of this story and the, the coming story. And I think there's something there for those of us who struggle, like I, I brought up in, uh, in the sermon today, with unanswered prayer or wondering if God cares and wondering what God cares about. When Jesus is baptized, and we talked about the whys and the wherefores last week, God Almighty acknowledges him, descending like a dove, and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I'm going to go out on a big limb here and say, I think this is far more normal than we treat it. Because in Acts chapter 2, when we're told we are baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I cannot help but think that when we are baptized, we do not see. But the Holy Spirit alights on us, and God said, This is my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased. And many of you may take comfort in that, and then think, Oh, but I've blown it since. Yeah, 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 you have. But here's the thing. When your child blows it, are they still your child? If they still love you, does that trump the blowing it? Of course it does. The Spirit alights on us, and we receive this gift as well. This is important because of the way the story is about to turn. I, God says, love this person. With He is my son, or in, in your, many of your cases, my daughter. With him, I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Happens. Let's talk a bit about this. You need to know, if you've never seen the manuscript, uh, an old manuscript of scripture, we don't have the originals, we don't have what you know, Matthew wrote with his own hand, or Paul wrote with his own hand, but we have some really, really old copies that are very close to theirs. And whenever you look at it, there are some things that should stand out to you. One, there is no punctuation at all. Two, words break at weird places. In English, and almost any language which has a syllabic character, breaks are in the middle of a at the end of a syllable. You put a dash, you move it to the next line. They had a certain number of letters per column, and they would do that. And no matter where it is in the word, it comes back and starts over here. Some of them read from right to left. Some of them read left to right. And some of them read left to right, right to left, left to right, right. And that was called, uh, it's a f fancy word, but it means as the ox plows. Because it would go back and forth. And so you always have to figure out, have I started reading right to left at the right line? They didn't write this to make it easy for English speakers in 2019. There are no spaces between the words. I w I'm going to ask you to do something. And I know only a few do when you ask somebody something like this. Because you're busy. But I'm going to ask you to do something. We just did the Lord's Prayer. Whatever version you've got, I want you to write it out at home with no vowels. All capitals. No spaces. That's what the manuscripts look like. Now, 
we have scholars that help us know what the words were, where were the end. So that's not the point of this. The point is, there's not a paragraph break. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then he was led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness to be tempted. That's, that's kind of harsh. I remember when my son turned 18, we knew where he was aimed from the time he was an early teen. He was going to go military. For a long time, he'd thought about army and then doing special forces with them, ranger school or the like. But the more he aged, the more Marine Corps was all that he could think of. So at 18, he had his party, um, a very muted party, because within days, he shipped out. When he left us at the door of our home, uh, he drove his car to the, the station, um, and we were to pick it up later. You're not, to, you're not allowed to be there when they leave. He turned and said, see you in the stands, and walked away. We knew we would not see him and almost never hear from him in 12 weeks because Marine Corps is very different than the other branches about allowing any contact. I, when I shut the door, fell against the door. I could not function. I loved my son, but I approved of the sending out of my son. I knew that he was going to be driven on a bus through the night, and sometime in the night, he, uh, he was going to land at Paris Island where a man was going to start yelling at him, driving them out of there where other men will be yelling at them, and it's brutal if you've never seen it, and running them to the yellow footprints where every recruit has to stand in the yellow footprints while they're being yelled at and then processed. And then they're allowed to make, it's a 15-second call home. Hi, this is recruit so-and-so, and I have arrived safely. And you hang up. You do not even wait for a response. It's a whole different world. People might have said, if you loved him, why'd you let him go? It's not a let. That's where he was aimed. He had a job to do. He had a calling. Did I know it was going to be brutal? Yes. Was it more brutal than I even know? I don't think there's even a question to that. I'm not Marine Corps material. <clears throat> I, I didn't pass the physical for the Girl Scouts. I, you know, I'm saying this, this sash is really heavy. So I, I, I did not, I was not one of these people. God loved Jesus, but Jesus had a job to do, and it was going to require some toughening up. Think about that. I think some, um, sometimes I look back at my education and there were some of the things that I see immense value to. For example, I was taught the multiplication tables and you had to do them just like this or there was no recess and you were in trouble. And to this very day, I thank God for that. And I was taught long division, the old way, not the new math way. So I'm able to long divide in my head and get mainly where I need to be. I was taught the alphabet, and therefore, I don't know how many times a day I use the alphabet, because I'm looking up a book, I'm looking up something, I know where to put things because of the organization. There are other things I don't quite understand as much, like diagramming sentences or algebra, but I do know learning that created more roads and made me more able to absorb different information. It's kind of like I've had people say, I'd really like to know more about quantum physics, where can I get a book on that? You don't. You get a book on math, then you get a book on physics, then you get another book on physics, <laughs> then you get a book on mechanics and physics and mechanics, then you can start priming. You had to learn something to learn something to learn something. 
to get Jesus where he needed to be to face Gethsemane, as soon as baptism started, this happens. Being a Christian doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. Sometimes being a Christian means it's going to hurt more because you have placed yourself in a war zone. The devil's not, I, 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 wanna, I want you to please understand, I deeply care for people that live on the street. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If I'm walking and I see people laying on the street, they're homeless people, uh, they've got their 40-ounce cans of malt liquor beside them, I'm, I'm slandering, please allow me to slander. Uh, there may be a crack vial or two laying about, and I'm walking past, the devil's not going for them. If I try to help them, he'll go for me. Do you understand what I mean? The more Christian you are, the more you make yourself a target. There's a, there are a lot of wonderful sayings in the military, and one of them is, try to look unimportant. They might be low on ammo. In other words, if they only have a few shots, don't look like the one guy they need to shoot. It's the American's fault that that is true. I don't know if you know that. We used to have beautiful uniforms. And then Americans didn't have muskets anymore. But instead, they did some technology and put turnings, twist in the barrel called rifling. So when the ball came out, it actually went where you were aiming. Muskets, the reason they all stand in a line and fire at the same time, because they're flinging all those balls out there hoping it hits something. Rifles were harder to load. It took harder, the, the bullet was tighter. It didn't rattle down there. You had to push it. It was slower. So the British said, it's not worth our problem, not worth our time. They did allow one small rifle regiment called the Green Jackets. Other than that, they're saying it's a waste of time. And so they're marching down the field and there's an American from 300 yards away and kaboom, and there goes the general. How do you know they were the general? Well, it might have something to do with that golden glitter that looked like a peacock was on a horse. Now, look at uniforms in war zones. There's a little thing here you can't see through a scope. And you don't salute. You don't salute in a war zone. Because that tells the bad guys who's the good. Who, oh, we only have one bullet. There's the guy. The more important you look, the more you draw fire. Now, does Christianity make a little bit more sense to you? You are going to take fire. Jesus will be tempted. The word also can mean tested. And they're not exactly the same, so you know, factor in that. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Remember our lesson on fasting? Fasting doesn't mean that you never eat. It can mean that you eliminate some food. But most Middle Eastern people, when they speak of fast, are talking about sunup to sundown. But even then the Jews would take it a step further and do without certain things even in the dark. Now, nobody can go without water for 40 days. When I was a boy, I was thinking, all right, that just doesn't work. And then I learned from many Jewish friends how this works. But he's hungry. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, what else are you other than hungry? You're weak, exactly. That's what I was going for. You're weak. But you might be spiritually strong but physically weak. All right, factor this in. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, is it okay if God makes bread out of stones? Sure it is. And he made us out of dirt. 
He can make stuff. Is it okay to eat if you're hungry? The problem was the lead-in to the sentence. If. Do you remember the sermon we just had? God recognizes faith in who he is and what he can do, not in what he is about to do. Who do you believe? You don't go to him and say, if you are God, then this. When I argue with God, I always start with, I know you can do this. You're good at this. So, this. And, uh, and again, if you don't pray like that, I don't really know how you pray. I really don't. Um, I, I'm, maybe I'm one of God's problem children. I don't know. But I'm, my picture's still in his refrigerator, so I don't care. Jesus answered, it is written. Stop right there. Do you remember I brought up in a sermon, Dave Ramsey saying, if you want corn, you have to plant corn. And I talked about if you want faith, you have to store up faith. Jesus only responded in scripture. How was he able to do that? By knowing scripture. Getting it in the head. Now, I don't look upon scripture as a blueprint. I don't look upon scripture as a book of laws. I don't look upon scripture as um, some holy manual on how to worship. No, I look upon scripture as our story, and you'd better remember our story. What's our story? Quote from the story. Uh, when my son went into the Marine Corps, he had friends at high school that evidently gave him a hard time over that. Uh, email and like, we did not know this until he was already at Paris Island and we found a letter he had written to them. And I won't go through all the letter, but part of it was, you know, um, you know, everybody dies, so why should I be afraid of that? Not everybody lives or matters while they live. He did all of that. But one of the things that really made me choke up was he said, my family are the kind of people who run toward the guns, not away from the guns. He knew his story. And he was saying, I am stepping into the story. And I mean, that one shook me. Uh, that one rattled me quite a bit. Do you go toward danger? Well, he knew the story. Jesus knows the story. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what was Jesus doing here? Was he answering the devil? Kind of. But he was more showing the devil he is not... What's, what's my word here? I've losing my English. He's not um, susceptible to that line of attack. Hunger and physical need is not going to do it. Now, are we susceptible to this? Of course we are. Physical need, we can talk about appetites, gluttony. Uh, appetites, drunkenness, which is basically the same thing as, drunk, as gluttony, but just in a different uh, form. Uh, we can talk about our sex drives. We can talk about a lot of things, can we not? Uh, and these are physical needs, but are they under subjection? Are they under subjection to Christ or not? He's just showing, I'm under subjection. Uh, the, I, I follow God, and he tells me I need more than bread. So I don't need you, in other words, the, the devil. I've got something else. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I personally think that would have been really cool. It would have been. Come on. I can remember being in an anthropology course. The teacher was not only an atheist, he was an aggressive atheist and anti-faith of all kinds. 
And he made that clear day one. And repeatedly would return to that. And there were 147 of us in the, and I will never forget that number, 147 of us in the lecture hall. And he pounded us. We, we learned a, a bit about anthropology, but we learned a whole bunch more about why the idea of God was stupid and we don't need to be at a university wasting our time if we believe in that. And he one time, I don't know what had happened with his Cheerios that morning, but he came in and just started ranting before he even got to the stage and he just went on a whole rant, kept going on and on. And finally he said, any of you, if there are any of you here that are stupid enough to believe, who, who are you? Are you brave enough to tell me? And only one idiot raised their hand and I was as surprised as you are when I found out it was me. I had no idea. I, did, I went, seriously? It was, it was just kind of like a response. And I would love to tell you, I stood up and dismantled his argument and I, there was a rush to the baptistry. But no, no, I, when I tried to talk, I had turned into sheep boy. You know, uh, well, um, I, it was just, it was awful. Afterwards, there were two or three people that came up to me and said, so we're so glad you said something because we're church people too. And I said, and where were you? You know, I was just, I look at this and I remember what I kept thinking during his rant. I said, God, just walk through. Just walk through. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to turn him into anything, although that would be cool. You know, make him a newt. British people love that. Yeah, turn me into a newt. Yes, don't start. Do not start. I can't stop. It'll go on for days. Uh, and, and, and just, or, or just walk through. Or I was even saying, what about a hand? Like that menomenetico you fire. Do that one. The hand just calm down. And go. That's all I'm asking. It's not a big ask. Jesus knows that stuff doesn't last long. We forget that kind of stuff. It moves on. We've seen that show, What's Next? You ever watched magic shows? I love magic shows. But every now and then they pull out a deck of cards and my first thought is, I've seen every card trick in the world. And most of them they do. I've seen that before. But every now and then they'll pull out something new. God doing miracles every so often we would get to the point of, well, I've seen this before. So Jesus, but where, what's the poison pill here? Is there anything wrong with Jesus demonstrating he's the son of God? Doing miracles. So what's the poison pill in the request? If, once again, if you are the son of God. I, I'm going to, it's confession time and I'm up front so I'll do it. I have found, I've caught myself after I've said it. If you really care for us. Why aren't you? I've caught myself saying it? Um, a little chill hits you when you realize you, you're now praying in the devil style. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Now, once you notice, the first time you responded, it was scripture, kind of vague, not a real direct pushback. This is scripture, not vague, a pretty solid pushback. Basically saying, ah, stop it. This isn't going anywhere. But the devil's not done yet. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Well, this time, there was no if you're the son of God. Because that hadn't worked. He tried it twice. This one was, you can get everything you want without the cross. Have you heard the term stolen valor? 
Stolen valor is a legal term. Uh, however, its status is. Supreme Court has said things, and so I'm not really sure where we are now. Stolen valor is when somebody dresses up in military uniform that didn't go in the military and puts on uni um, medals that they did not have. We have people serving in the Senate and Congress who were caught lying about their service, but the people still reelected them, and I don't get that. I just don't. Others will say, you know, I was in this, and I know, you know, there's one guy that was busted for saying he had three Medal of Honors. Really? Three? There's an overachiever. Doesn't happen. So he got busted. He was stolen valor to go when the world without the cross would be stolen valor. There are Satanists in the world, but there aren't many of them. They're worshiping Satan. In fact, when I've talked to Satanists, and, and I, I have, it's not, you can find them. There's even a church of Satan that is, has three denominations that I know of right now. I find that just hilarious. I've not found a Satanist who believes that Satan's a real being. I'm sure there are a lot of them out there somewhere, but I've never found one. To them, Satan, worshiping Satan means really worshiping themselves. As, as, in fact, the, the one phrase I've heard from all of them was, um, there's some minor variations, do what you will is the whole of the law. Do what you will is the whole of the law. And I, I come back up and go, huh, there's a book in Josh, called Joshua that ends with men tried to find their own way and that's what caused the disaster. So even metaphysically, men need to ask directions or they're going to end up lost. Right? So Jesus pushes back the first time. Then what does he say here? It's a direct. Jesus pushes hard back, a punch. Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Um, I love this story. I love this story. Even though it gives me chills. All right, why would it give me chills? Somebody, let's work. I, this is a horrible venue for interchange. I'm aware. But why would this give me chills? Well, there, yes, we would have all been lost had he taken the easy road. Uh, you can watch trees and rivers uh, trees and rivers that take the easy way make crooked trees and crooked rivers. It's harder to go straight at it. But there's more. And if I apply this to me as I did the baptism with the Holy Spirit coming down, it also means I can't get valor without the stripes earning the stripes. Again, I'm going back to Marine Corps. Please understand, I respect all of those who served and those who serve in other ways. But I'm just, I'm trying to do a warfare motif here. Once you get to the level of corporal in the Marine Corps, you've gone private, uh, private first class, Lance Corporal, Corporal, they have a different system. It's actually very hard to go up in rank in the, in, in the Marine Corps. They're such a small group. But if you get Corporal and above on your dress trousers, now there's, instead of a black stripe, there's a red stripe. And it's called the blood stripe. Because it is assumed to get where you were, you have been blooded in battle or in training. Uh, and I, I remember the first time I saw that name of it and I was thinking, Duncan, don't tell your mother. <laughs> Let's find another word. It's a decoration. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a contrasting thing. To, anyway, um, it's called the blood stripe. We have, have we, you remember what Paul said? He said, many, many of you, you've not yet resisted unto blood. 
He was telling some Christians, you haven't really stood up for what you believe in. I gave a lesson somewhat on this uh, in Ohio right after we first came back to America. And one of the men who's a business owner and doing very well, um, he would arrive in a car that could basically be the same price of all the other cars out there. That's an exaggeration. But that's the way I felt. It would criticize me over these, saying, no, if you follow Jesus, I, I think you should be doing all right. And if you're having all these kind of problems, God must not be with you. Have you heard these people? Some of them have churches. And they talk about God loves you and wants you to succeed. Huh. He'll even say, I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. I'm going, number one, that wasn't said to you. (laughs) That was said to somebody else. Number two, he ended up vanishing after having a horrible life. So the word prosper might need to be redefined. Um, It's it's hard to know. (coughs) Nice to have friends. They're going to go through the door which should never be opened. All right. Well, I go in there too sometimes. Yes, Kevin. John chapter 15. Mm-hmm. The world hates the disciples. No servant is greater than his master. Exactly. If Jesus went through the cross, why do we think if we follow him, it'll all be roses and unicorns? Now, I don't want to disappoint anybody here. I think even going through hell on earth is made better because you are with Jesus. It, there's, it, it, it's given meaning, focus. Yes, Matthew. Uh, two things. First thing, I'll jump off of that real quick. Um, something that you see uh, many, many other cultures and why we struggle to, uh, from, from a military sense in a place like the Middle East and other places. We live in a world where our world is, um, as people describe it, our world is already heaven. Yes. That's, that is a hugely important point. I'm going to walk here because a pen was dropped and I don't want somebody later to trip. Um, this is my one good deed of the day. I am done. Now, the, um, uh, if what he was saying, those of you that might not have been able to hear, we already live in heaven in America. Endless entertainment. We have medication. We have food. More food than we can eat. Uh, we, ha- we have all of these options given to us. Many people in the world, their life is already hell, and it's not a big thing for them if they die in service to their God or their nation because they're just going to go to heaven, finally get a nice place. Uh, We are also not an ordeal-based nation. Let me explain that one. In many societies, not most, but in many societies, when you reach a certain level, you go through an ordeal, and then you're a man. Or then you're a woman. And that ordeal can be, you know, like with the, uh, many of the Native American tribes, they would, they would take you out and throw you into the wilderness. And you had to live out there for a certain number of, I don't know. And then you could come back in. And then generally you would have some piercing uh, of your skin and you would be, uh, it was painful. But you weren't a man until you did this. I remember the old Lowell Thomas, black and white, travel logs that they would show every so often. I, I may only have seen two or three of them in my life. I'd love to find a collection of those. But this is back in a day when nobody had gone to these places and filmed, and it was all brand new. And I don't know how old they were when I saw them, but one of them 
the tribe, and maybe you've seen this, uh, they had to tie a vine on the foot and they shove you off a platform. It's like bungee jumping, but uh, these natives had done the math. <laughs> and it's a grapevine. So I'm, I keep thinking, I'm not sure this is OSHA approved. And the kids sometimes would hit the ground and bounce a few times. But you had to do that and do it without crying or whatever, doing it, you know, cheering and shouting a thing a certain number of times. That was part of becoming a man. We don't have ordeal, ordeal based. We're not like that. We tried to give some of that to our children, but in a better way. For example, you reach a certain age, you're able to drive, you, you ride your bike farther. You, then you're able this, now these things are given to you. And we're born in a society where we think everything should be there. I, I read an article, did you read the article a week and a half ago, that some people in Australia have done some work and found the cure for cancer. It made the papers. And I'm going, they would have to find a lot of cures because cancers are different. They have different, and yet people printed it. We believe it's all going to be fine. Or it's good. And so when it isn't, we're shocked. That, I was asked that question when I was teaching a death and dying course at Ohio State University to a bunch of medical professionals. And you might say, why do they need that class? Because in medical school, you're taught how to win, not, not what happens when you lose. All right? So you have to teach them. You're not always going to win. You need to understand this and the process of it. Well, I was asked a brilliant question by somebody, and I, I still feel after all these years like an idiot that I did not think about it and put it into the syllabus ahead of time. Uh, she said, do the people in other countries grieve like we do? I was going, oh, man, that should have been an hour of my class. Here we are at the end of it. And I, so I stopped and I said, oh, let me answer the question. They love their children. They love their wife. They love their husband as much as we love ours. They hurt as much as we do. But there is a difference. They didn't expect everything to be great. When somebody got sick and they were trying to get out of their village and find a road and wait for a truck that might take them to this town where there might be antibiotics, they understood. They, they were not expecting to get better. They were just going to try. We insist that we are better now. It's a difference. It is. Jesus said, you can, you know, if, and I can give you all of this without the pain. It's not worth it. This happens to me. Back whenever I would give um, psychological seminars, you know, things about um, you know, depression and anxiety and, all, and neuroscience and the like, I would have young people come up to me and go, I want to do what you do. And I would always say, what, what do you want to study? Well, I want to study psychology. And I would say, do you need, you need to understand. A bachelor's degree in psychology does not qualify you to do more than ask if they want fries with their order. A master's degree in most states is not going to do you any more good than that. You're going to have to go through PhD level and then, or PsyD, there's a new degree, and then a few years of overseen, uh, overseen work and practice to be able then to work and start to pay off the debts that you never will. And then it, they, you know, it's kind of like, well, dude, you just rained on my parade. Yeah, it's important you get the rain now. I had other people, uh, I had a young man in our church in Morgantown walk up to me after hearing one sermon, and he was one of, one of the newer attendees and saying, I want to do what you do. I said, what? And he goes, I want to preach like you preach. I said, well, that's great. And he goes, when can I? He'd never preached. And I said, you don't get here without this. 
you gotta get you gotta do this first. Yes. Okay, and the question is, there are several different ways in Scripture people dealt with temptation. What I believe the scriptural view is, I'm not sure there is a the view. I think that there are options. We're told there's a, door, there's a way of escape. I love what Paul told Timothy. He said, flee youthful lust. He didn't say, deal with it, fight it, dismantle it. He said, get out of there. Um, we had a preacher friend that was, uh, came and did a meeting for us years and years ago. And he told the story of this beautiful young lady, I mean, just strikingly beautiful, that was there to do something. And she needed a drive home, which is like eight hours away. And his son said, I'll drive her. And he said, no. And he said, don't you trust me, Dad? And he said, I don't trust me in the car for eight hours with that girl. That girl had, had, had given up enough warning signs. Well, do you remember when Mike Pence, and, and this is not an endorsement, I don't know the guy, I don't know his policies, but when he said he doesn't go into a room alone with a woman, does not ride in a car alone with a woman, I don't either. And the, the press mocked him and still does, mercilessly. The best way to deal with temptation is to watch where you are, check your six, keep your head on a swivel, be situationally aware, not be where it is. But if it comes at you, and it can come at it can be a surprise. It's best to actually be protected and have, um, I'm protected, prepared. All right, here we go. Um, why, have you ever watched um, boxers hitting the bag and hitting the little bag, the speed bag? Now, that's not winning them any tournaments, but what it does is teaches their eye how to react to the bag as it's coming. Because they're different, you know, on the heavy bag, you can break your wrist, uh, it, you have to hit it right. On the speed bag, it's, to get that rhythm going is so difficult. And no, if you're wondering, no, I've never, never, never. It is so difficult. You have to have prepared ahead of time for the temptation. And that's where we fail our kids. We don't teach them ahead of time. When you are tempted sexually, here are some options to help you. One or two of these may work. And if it doesn't, run. You get out of there. And when you are tempted financially, we, we fail our, our children by not teaching them battle skills. As I've said before, if your child wants to play in a meadow and you pack them a lunch and give them a bottle of water and say, enjoy, you're being a great parent unless there's a dragon in the meadow, in which case the child's not prepared. Teach them how to fight. And temptation, all right. Most of my, by the way, my temptations are going down as I age. I've noticed that because uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not made as many offers. Um, that's one, and, that, and that's, that's a good thing. It's not like they were lined up before. But um, I'm also, 
I remember he says, flee youthful lust. There's a difference between what tempts an old person and what tempts an old, a younger one. We're always tempted, though. And the idea, I always remember, you know, for, get away, if you can get away, but also respond with scripture. And I don't respond to scripture out loud. I'm preaching to me, not the other individual. And then also, as you get older, you learn more about how to get out of places. And even in your mind, how to get out of places. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head and you cannot get it out? There's a way to get it out. Sing a different song. Now, what does that teach us about our brain? If I walk around thinking, don't think about sex stuff or don't think about violence, don't think about violence, what am I going to be thinking about? Come on, you, you people who have stopped smoking, did you, how effective would it have been going, I'm not smoking, I'm not smoking, I'm not smoking, I'm not having a delicious cigarette, I'm not, it, you're going to smoke again, right? You had to find another thing to do. You had to find another thought. Well, it is time for people to be released. Um, we'll just carry on next week then, shall we? Run away, cheerio.